Hello and welcome to Bit Party Goes to the Movies, a Bit Party short where we see contemporary films that are in theaters now. I'm your co-host Jared Cotta. And I'm your co-host Brendan Cotta. And this week we watched Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Full stop. Are you a scared little girl who answers to a man in a chair? Or are you the most powerful creature on the planet? So, uh, so this movie has been uh, getting critically panned by yeah. at least by Rotten Tomatoes by a lot of people. It is the final installment of the X Men storyline f- that belongs to Fox. It is their very last film. Yeah, and it was kind of weird to watch, knowing that like in five years or less we're going to be watching this franchise just way, way better because it's now under Disney. Yeah, and all of the characters are going to be recasted for the most part, we assume. I mean, yeah, yeah I would be curious to see if they're going to keep some of the, the characters because I, I think that they actually found really good individuals to play Nightcrawler and Quicksilver and yeah. even Storm. And they're they're all relatively young and could be on, on the franchise for a long time. But like we were saying, 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> They're fucking killing they it. They hate it. They hate it. They hate it so much. <laughs> it's almost like an internet troll thing. I I think that, Brendan, correct me if I'm wrong, but from an action movie standpoint, it's it's okay. Yeah, that's that's what I was trying to get. Maybe we've come to expect too much from comic book movies, but from a strictly action comic book movie, it was fun and fast-paced. Yeah, I, I thought it was relatively fun. I think that any comic book film that comes after Endgame is going to suffer a pretty significant amount because Definitely. it is being held to a pretty ridiculous standard. But yeah, I, mean, I thought that it was it was good. We saw a lot of mutants using a lot of powers. We uh, we encountered some interesting character development, especially. I think we both liked how Nightcrawler was portrayed. Yeah, definitely. They gave the characters, I felt like, a lot more depth than in the past two movies in this franchise. Right. They and just you, let their characters grow more. You were saying that you had really thought that the weakest movies were the last two in the X-Men series. Yeah. Watching this, it surprised me that this movie was so, you know, uh, widely hated because I thought that uh, Days of Future Past was worse because it didn't really give a lot of the characters a chance to show off new powers and introduce new mutants. And I thought Apocalypse was a little bit weak because it felt like they were just throwing a story together with no focus on the characters at all. So this one kind of corrected both of those situations in a way that I actually really liked. Mm -hmm. I would say one problem that I really had up front was that, and we talked about this even before we went into the movie, was that Fox just rehired... Simon Kinberg to write and direct this film Uh and he had already tried this same story (laughs) and failed in X-Men Last Stand he is the writer and director for both of those films so why did they that movie was bad yeah but to his credit he also did Logan that's true but he also did the Fantastic Four yeah I like to think that he got hired for this movie because he had way more experience with the Dark Phoenix story than any other writer-director. <laughs> you think that they looked at his resume and were like, has already written a Dark <laughs> Phoenix movie? <laughs> really? <That is> wild. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> You're hired. But it was a big mistake. You know, let's, let's get into our rating now. Okay. Uh, we have slightly different ratings, uh, but w- what was my rating, I- I'll just go on because we're still talking about kind of issues that we saw with it. Uh-huh. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Um, 
And I thought, again, pretty cool action, some great representation of the mutants, but I was not a big fan of how they tried to tell the Dark Phoenix story, which is really one of the essential canonical stories in the X-Men franchise. That's completely fair. Yeah, because it felt like this was sort of a shameless money grab by Fox to put the Dark Phoenix label on it, but to just sort of do a cop-out version of that very emotional and very intense storyline. Yeah, yeah, whereas what you were saying was it would have been smart if they were determined to do this and had the time to break it up into two because it is so massive. Yeah, and to, and to that point also, it kind of shocked me that they didn't take more risks. If you're going to just jumble up the really important story anyways, and it's your very last chance to do, yeah, to do yeah. any X-Men movie, why not just blow the roof off and do some really crazy off-the-wall stuff? Kill Professor X. Yeah, like, d- who cares at this point? I mean, I think he actually does die in one of the other X-Men movies. So. They all die at some point, <laughs> but like, yeah, no, you're right. But they, they didn't really take any risks. They didn't do a great job at portraying that particular storyline, which is, uh-huh. like I've been saying, so important. And the mutants themselves, Jean Grey, Cyclops, they're far too young for what their characters are supposed to be in the comic book version. Yes, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I do think that when you say that, it, it shows the weakness of the story because the Dark Phoenix is supposed to be this indestructible force of nature mm. and they get that across in this movie but it's less impressive because the mutants are like Cyclops is not the Cyclops that fights Dark Phoenix in the comic books right right They're, you know? she's not standing up to a fully formed X-Men group and they don't yeah. have Wolverine and so there's a lot of things really missing from this film that brought it down for me but what was your rating? my rating I'm actually going to give it significantly higher Watching it, I thought it was a 7.5. I see what you mean with the weakness of the story. It's not great, but I thought the writing was solid. Um, I feel like I still brought into it a lot of uh, goodwill for these characters from X-Men First Class, Mm -hmm. which for me was the best X-Men movie to date. Yeah, I agree. Um, And the action got me. Like, you're right, even the, the story's not great, but... The action I thought was solid. I enjoyed it the whole way through. And if they're going to mess up a beloved property like the Dark Phoenix, they could have done a lot worse. I could have been less entertained. I think that that's fair. I think that one problem that I had when it came to the entertainment factor is that there was not really a wow moment. I never was watching it and thought, oh my god, that you know, I can't believe that just happened. Particularly because they decided to show the scene when Mystique gets killed in the trailer. Which, that might have been the only one, but then they went ahead and dropped the spoiler in their marketing. That was yeah, stupid. That's a and that's literally the only meaningful death in the whole film. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, like, that's such an important character that's gone through the entire franchise with them. And they just, like, they just gave that one to you for free. As, like, a tantalizer to come in. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're making a lot of good points. But I think that something that helped this movie for me was my dislike of the previous two movies to the point where when I walked in and saw a lot of powers and, like, was tense and having fun the whole time, I was like, yep, this is this is it. I like this. Yeah. You gotcha. We talked a little bit about Nightcrawler that was a great character that they'd established. You said to me that this is probably the best Quicksilver that any franchise ever has brought on. Yeah. He's really good, even though he was portrayed also in uh, in the Avengers. This one is really good. 
But one character that uh, we both agreed was not done well was actually Professor X. Oh, yeah, in this movie. Yeah, in this, in this, er- movie. In this movie. Yeah. yeah, it's too bad because I like James McAvoy for this character. I agree, but his, his character in this was sort of far removed from the Professor X that we know in the comic books. Mm-hmm. He was like this diva, unable to sort of admit mistake. Yeah. He had this ego about him that... Like to me, that was it was out of place in the film. Definitely, even with that, I feel like some of the emotional leaps that they asked you to make for this character weren't exactly warranted with the writing. Oh, tell you me know, more about that. They wanted you to to have a certain opinion about Professor X. I don't want to go into it too much because I want people to like see it, and make their own opinions. Mm-hmm. But they want you to have a certain feeling towards Professor X. And sympathize with characters around him that they don't really give enough examples for to make me turn against this character. Mm-hmm. For a short, even for sense. a short time, you, even you're for, supposed to dislike him. Yeah, when but, in the but, context of the movie, he's done so much for mutants and society and whatever. Right. Then all of a sudden, we're supposed to not like him because one character has beef. Like, true, true. But they do portray him as kind of a diva character, as being unable to accept blame. Which I think is mm-hmm. outside of the character that we want to see Professor X being. Like, That's there true. can be internal struggle between like Beast and Mystique and and Jean Grey and Cyclops. That's fine, but to me, Professor X in the film franchise could always have been the the son that everybody else sort of orbits around. Because if you're gonna, especially if you're gonna put him across from a very composed Magneto. Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah, definitely. Except to, at one point. I mean, Magneto is allowed to go off the handle. Yeah. But both of those are supposed to be the pillars of each side of the mutant uh-huh. class. Yeah. Don't do this, Eric. The girl dies. One other point that I want to bring up that was actually mentioned by What Culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Culture movies is probably one of my favorite pop culture platforms on the internet yeah like i think their videos on youtube are really awesome a huge shout out to what culture if if you ever want to learn more about movies or video games or or comic books i've been learning a lot from them Um, but they mentioned that the fact that deadpool has done a lot of damage to the watchability of this x-men franchise Uh because it is over the top campy and disrespectful to the X-Men uh-huh. where he's, he's like he's completely satirized their existence and it's given it's reduced the credentials of this actual franchise <laughs> and so much so that they, they're not doing themselves any favors because there was a scene in Deadpool where he opens a door in the, in the mansion uh-huh. and there's a bunch of the mutants that are in this franchise yeah. in that room. They just like turn around and look at him. Yeah, and so they're like <laughs> making fun of themselves, but was that a good move or did that give people like this feeling like Deadpool is where it's at, X-Men is kind of dead. Yeah. It's really just we're all waiting for the revitalization by the Disney group. Yeah, and I think that both that and the, uh, you know, the fact that Disney bought it hurt this movie to the point where it's like, yeah, it's been satirized and it's going to be revitalized. Yeah. What's the point of this? What's the point? Yeah. 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 Why am I going to pay like the cost of admission to a movie theater to go and watch this throwaway movie? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is a throwaway movie. But you know what? It's not a complete throwaway movie because there were still plenty of bit parts. There were a lot of bit parts. And we can have a bit party, <laughs> one last bit party with the X-Men of the Fox franchise. So I'm, I'm curious, who is your bit part that stole your heart? The bit parts that stole my heart were two characters, Ariki and Celine Gallio. Okay. 
Where do you see those in the movie? We're introduced to them when we first see Magneto. Mm-hmm. They are, without giving too much away, much like in the beginning of Apocalypse, mm-hmm. Magneto has gone to sort of a rural, removed life, mm-hmm. because obviously he's a very volatile man and a very controversial character. He's got to be removed from society. Yeah. In that rural life, he's kind of founded his own group of mutants who also want to get away. Uh-huh. Um, these two are kind of his uh, right-hand people on this reserve for mutants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What I think would be interesting is looking at them in particular, but looking at the community as a uh, as a whole and what it offers to mutants and the kinds of mutants that it attracts yeah. rather than the ones that choose to go to the, to the Xavier school. Mm-hmm. At one point during the movie, it's said that they have eyes and ears all over the world looking for for new recruits Mm -hmm. what are they looking for exactly so that's that's kind of what i the the angle that i would go with this that's pretty cool yeah and it it was cool to see that community like yeah it's nice to know that bill clinton had signed (laughs) signed this policy to give magneto this little island off of the coast of washington state yeah that was something (laughs) it's very forward thinking of bill yeah well well done (laughs) My bit part is sort of similar, okay. um, but it takes more from my undying love for Magneto uh-huh. being that he is the only Jewish mutant. Yeah, At least the only true. one that we know, which gets me to my point. Uh-huh. Where are all the other Jewish mutants? Where are the <laughs> Jutans? And who are they? And don't you think that at every once in a while they gather together to have a Shabbat dinner? <laughs> Just the, all the Jewish mutants. I wonder what their powers would be. They must... I don't know. They're, yeah, there's so many possibilities with this. There might be one guy that's just really good at accounting. <laughs> he's the most popular one. He's, a, he's not even really a mutant. <laughs> it's just a Woody Allen character with, like... He's really good at his job. <laughs> but, yeah, anyways, I, I, I think I'd like to know uh, what, what the Jewish mutants are doing. So my film would be about them with, of course, Magneto at the, at the head. He's not really sure. a bit part character, but... Those other people are. Yeah, and I, I really like that, especially because that was a part that I found appealing about Magneto in the first movie was that he's a pretty badass Jewish character. Exactly. Love him. Yeah. Great. Well, those are those are good films. Um, that was obviously a pitch to Disney since Fox is no longer going to have control over the uh, the X-Men franchise. Disney will do it right. We do have the, the new mutants to look forward to. Yes. Yeah. Which was still, you said, greenlit by Disney. Yeah. Yeah, Disney liked that property. So I, I don't know what changes they're making, but I think the cast is more or less the same. Oh, interesting. And it's it might have been delayed, but it's set to release in 2020. It did seem to get delayed, but it's somewhat of a horror movie yeah. under the vein of uh, these kids with mutant abilities that are in some sort of asylum or something and it, yeah I, I'm, I'm eager to see that that looked like a really appealing uh, movie until it got pushed back pushed back pushed back i'm happy to see that it's still coming out looking forward to seeing whatever disney has in mind for these characters in the future i think oh it's gonna gosh. be cool to see the reboot really it's gonna be so to good really good really really good but anyways pretty middle of the road for me you thought it was at least a great action film something to be entertained by go check out Dark Phoenix in theaters now.